0: Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host Dave Clayton. Hello welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws and tonight we've got rock royalty in the house. And I'm I'm looking at two of them, but specifically one more than the other. Um, my My guest this week is Brian Friedman, who if you don't know him, you will know him by the end of this hour. Um, and I'm also joined by Alan Hess, who very kindly got Brian as a guest for the show. So thank you, Alan. That's my um, for the next hour, we're going to be talking about music photography um, and also about you know commitment and fi- finding your path in your career and and some nice stories from Brian about the music industry. But before we do
1: anything, Brian, yeah, who are you? <laughs> I am a freelance photographer. Uh, event and portrait photographer uh, that now lives in Las Vegas by way of New York City. Um, Spent the first 40 years of my life in New York, born and raised, and then uh, about three years ago my wife and I decided it was time to leave the city and we chose uh, lovely Henderson, Nevada, which is basically Las Vegas. So... So I describe, I you know, you asked me before we came on, how do I introduce myself? I, I, I don't always like to say I'm a music photographer. I'll never, ever say that I'm a celebrity photographer, ever, because I'm not really, I think that that's pretentious to say. I always <laughs> just say I'm an event and portrait photographer. And then if anybody starts to dig in, or if, certainly if my wife is there, then she'll blow me up a little bit. But I'm an event and I'm a freelance event and portrait photographer based in Vegas now.
0: It's always my favorite question because I I do like to see how people perceive themselves in what their job description is. Yeah. As opposed to kind of like you say, I'm a rock star photographer. I'm a, you know, they, they, like you say they blow themselves up a bit and then it, It's more about them, whereas the fact that you said event and portrait photographer, I think that's nice because it's if you're genuinely interested, you'll ask further.
1: I think you know part of it too is I know that I've been really lucky, and I've been (coughs) doing it long enough that I'm comfortable in saying it that way. I don't. I'll never say I'm a celebrity photographer. I think. I like I said, and maybe that would rub. You know someone the wrong way who says it i think it's pretentious to be very honest with you you're you're, and some you know
0: i was gonna say some people who don't understand that job title can also think oh paparazzi right right. i get it you go around chasing celebrities right so i think yeah it's it's like you know i'm an artist well you can be an artist of many things yeah
1: exactly and also you know i photograph i don't always photograph people who happen to be famous you know, I photograph, you know, I do headshots here. I do events, you know, things like that. So um, I don't like to I don't like to position myself like that. Generally, people will then dig a little bit further and then I'll start to talk about music and, you know, the people that I've photographed. And like I said, I I'm, feel so lucky and blessed that I've gotten to shoot the kinds of artists and celebrities that I have. I don't need to shove that down anybody's throat. You know, they'll no, find we out. We will talk about some of them. You can you can we blow me up. About... Other people can blow <laughs> me up. Man. You can blow me up.
0: Yeah. How so obviously Alan's done the introduction for us. So what's yours and Alan's history? Just let everyone make <laughs> kind on of you because as I understand, you've not met. No, we no. met on the interwebs, man. I'll let Alan.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where Facebook and Instagram come in handy, man. I, I kept seeing this guy's work pop up all over the place, and in uh, certain Facebook groups, you know, and a lot of concert Facebook groups. And I don't post a lot, but I like to read and I like to look at pictures. And I you know I like in seeing what other people shoot, especially when they've shot the same artists I have, because right. I'm always looking to see like, oh yeah, you know what what did I miss? What was really good? And you know th- there was this guy Brian Friedman out of Vegas and every time I see a shot of his or someone I shot I'm like oh man I, I, I wish I would have taken that <laughs> shot. you know I, there's no higher praise for me to tell someone that when I see one of their photographs that I wish I would have taken it it's not like I'm jealous of it I just so they true. got a moment that I really just would have loved to have captured myself and those are the true. ones that stand out and there's a there's a couple artists that I've had the luxury of shooting more than once um yeah Sean Mendes twice, you know, over his tour, but Brian shot him a lot. And so I, I like started seeing these pictures pop up and I started using them as a guide to like, where should I kind of hang out <laughs> next time comes come, yeah, you know, and that's yeah. literally it. And we just started, we started chatting, um, online. And, um, when Dave and I were talking about people who I thought would be interesting for other people to hear their stories, you know. Brian came
0: to mind. You were the first yeah, name. You, know. you were the first name that came out. And, you know,
1: Alan, I mean, I, I appreciate that because you, you can gain a level of respect for someone just by reading, just by obviously seeing their work, but then just seeing how they behave in these yeah. groups, you know? And, and you, you gravitate towards like-minded professionals if that's the scenario that you're in. And when you're in a concert photo group or an event photo group like that, you do, you gravitate towards certain people and I felt a mutual respect and admiration for Alan's work too. Yeah. And then you just, you, be, you develop a friendship. If you have something that specific in common and you're not like trying to shoot the other person down, you're, you're in fact, you're trying to like hold them up or, you know, promote them and congratulate them on a beautiful photo. Those are the people that I want in my life. And so I think Alan and I just naturally gravitated yeah. toward one another because of that reason.
0: Yeah, I've, I've often said, because I'm from the design world and I see the similar kind of thing. You know, you, you see professionals, you think, oh, I wish I could have done that. I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. And you admire it. You don't feel negative towards it. It's a total admiration. Yeah. And I've always said, for me, being a professional isn't about you getting paid for what you do or how much you earn it's how you behave in your industry it's how you behave everywhere online in person the respect you show towards your industry and the artists the people around you and that's something i've learned a lot from alan from the music photography it's how you behave it's the Alan can spot an idiot a mile off yeah yeah he sees the trigger and you know and that's distracting for you because it's your it's your reputation as a photographer in that arena yeah. that someone's ruining it for everybody else oh yeah
1: oh yeah I think over the course of time I mean we've all obviously made mistakes along the oh. way we all have and we've all been put in situations that have almost prompted a mistake you know by that unruly photographer or a security guard or, or something like that. And um, I actually remember a moment, I mean, if you want to just dive right in, it, it happened very, very, not very recently, but it was, you know, considering what's going on. Um, I went down in Miami um, with Camila Cabello and she's someone that I've wanted to work with, you know, uh, directly. And I got mm. that and I got that call. And, um, so I go down to Miami, there was no press there and Alan, maybe are used to being in the situation. There was a freaking steadicam operator in the pit, just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I'm used to that by now because a lot of the iHeartRadio shows are televised and you are really, you're really second in line when there's any kind of video or broadcast going on. And, um, Camila's people told me that the Steadicam was only going to be in the pit for the first three songs. So we're already on song four or five or six. The guy is still in there and I'm still watching because they're going back and forth. It's very tight. But at one point he was all the way down on the other side of the pit and I'm on this side and I'm getting my shot. The guy really just nails me really hard and was a total jerk to me. And someone from Camila's team was also in the pit and saw it happen. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, B, you're gonna you're gonna take the high road, you're gonna keep your cool. Camila's on stage. I mean, and it was a low mm. stage. It was a small performance. And that was one of those moments where I actually walked away feeling really proud of myself because I didn't lose it. I didn't go crazy on the guy. I didn't even talk to the guy afterwards. I just let it go. Okay, you know. We collided. He was a jerk to me. I had been watching out for him the entire time. And, you know, you have to, like, you, you've got to learn. And, and, and the problem with these situations is you're, you're running hot. Because especially if you have a big performer on stage, or maybe you only have three songs. This was, this was an instance where I could shoot the whole concert. But you, you're really, you, 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 I mean, I'm, like, getting, like, hot even thinking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep your cool. You got to keep, maybe you work it out afterwards. Maybe you scream afterwards or you tell someone. I didn't even tell Camila's manager about it. I just let it go because I'm like, you know what? That may come back to help me, to serve me because someone Mm. on the team saw me literally get bashed in the side of the face and just kind of take it and move on and not even say anything about it. So maybe Brian 10 years ago wouldn't have handled it that way. But Brian a year ago handled it that way. And so when you're in that moment it's hard it's hard it's hard to not get you know crazy and fired up but the lesson was to just like hey you know what people are watching there's a really big opportunity for you and it will only serve you better if you don't cause a scene while camila cabello is in front of you performing (laughs) man i was like that was a scary moment (laughs) for me but i got through it you know but that's right that's that that's experience though and that's the thing
0: where I see. Uh, I got friends in sports photography, and a, a similar kind of thing. You're on the touchline. The star is on the stage. You're dealing with camera people, and you know people running up and down, and coaches and substitutes. That if you do get that bad luck moment, yeah. And you deal with that really badly. Yeah. Well, look on the bright side; it'll be the last time you have to deal with it yeah. because you won't be invited. No, back. you won't.
1: It happened to me again. Actually, something else happened to me that is also quite rare. I would say. Um, I don't always like to shoot from within the pit because I find that getting in and out can slow me down from trying. If, if I'm, if I'm, certainly if on a, on an iHeart shoot. I have the ability to roam around, which is a lot of times, Alan. I'm able to get angles that 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 right. some other photographers may not be able to get, because on an iHeart show, it's iHeart show. It's not Sean's show, so I have a little bit more freedom. So a lot of times, I'll stay behind the, or I'll even go right up on the barricade. It was Z100 Jingle Ball, or now iHeart Radio Jingle Ball, last year. And, I, and there was a, there was a, a, a stationary camera who, who was doing a lot of audience shots. And I just didn't see him. Because normally, the guys are pointed toward the stage. So this guy was pointed in my direction. And I guess <laughs> once or twice, I, I either just turned to him or I just, I clipped his shot. And I just, I didn't see it. You know, there's a cr- lot of crazy... This guy literally got in my face and started screaming at me. And I literally looked at him and I said, you know what, man, I'm sorry. Like, I just completely diffused the situation rather than cause a scene. I'm like, okay, this guy's really pissed and really hot, and you know what, I would never intentionally do that. If I'm not realizing that, that the camera was facing me, then that's on me. But I just diffused the situation I actually made, I, I, I made a point of, of emailing the director who is a friend of mine, he's like, Brian, he's like, I didn't even realize that that happened, but he's like, we, we love you, don't even worry about it, don't lose because I like lost sleep over it, because I, I don't ever want that to happen, because like you were saying, like, you won't get asked back, and you may not even know why. So I yeah. went to clear that up, even though it wasn't really a problem, I'm just like, look, man, there's a lot going on. And, and, and the director, uh, Michael, was like, B, we love you, man. Don't, don't even worry about it. I didn't, I didn't even hear about it. Because I wanted him to know that I was sorry that I might have messed up some, an angle or his shots. That I was aware of it. And we had a little, little running. And then I found out later on, because I told someone else on the video crew. And they're like, oh, yeah, that guy's known to have a really hot temper. So I'm like that kind of made me feel more resolved in it, but I wanted to get out in front of it, and I didn't want it to be like, oh, you know, that guy Brian went on, even though I've shot, even though it was my tenth anniversary shooting the Jingle Ball concert, which was a really big deal for me. I didn't want it to become a bigger issue. I wanted to get out in front of it.
2: So let's um, you've mentioned uh, I, I Heart Radio now a couple of times in the last two stories. So, so yeah, this is obviously part of your um, big part of your work. Yeah, uh, public work that people know you for. Sure. How did that all, how did, how did the whole iHeartRadio thing come about? Um, so it's
1: really, yeah, I mean, I get that, you know, obviously get that question a lot and it's, it's not a short answer. So if you have two hours, we're <laughs> Go good. Go for it. The um, show it is ties yours. into, um, I was working in the comedy industry. It ties into that. In my 20s, When I when I left college, I wanted to work in the music industry. I wanted to work in the music business and um, I couldn't find a gig. I just couldn't find, you know, all the record labels, internships, all that stuff. I wound up landing a job working for a comedy management firm on Long Island, which is in New York, for, for those who don't know where Long Island is. And it was a good gig. Um, I was working for some of the top comedians in, in, the, in the industry, You know, most notably was Ray Romano. Um, and I'm in my 20s, and the show had just started. Um, and then ultimately, I wound up staying for the entire duration of Everybody Loves Raymond, um, working as Ray's tour manager, essentially, and, and helping with all of the wow. stand-up shows and performances around the United States. How that relates to the iHeart story. I wound up going a lot uh, out a lot in the city to to the comedy clubs and um, networking, which is one of the things that I always suggest to people. You know, I mean, it's it's you know, there's a lot of things that happen face to face, not online. Um, It's sort of a a lost art form, I think now. Um, But one night I'm at Caroline's, which is probably the biggest stand up club in New York City. And the director of publicity from the club, my dear friend Greg, was like, Hey, Brian, I want you to meet somebody who's uh, an intern at Z100. And (sighs) Z100 is, you know, an enormous radio, you know, basically the biggest terrestrial radio station in the United States. I met this guy, TJ the DJ. And TJ the DJ was an intern on the Elvis Duran morning show, which is also one of the top rated morning shows in the United States that wasn't in- i listened to that here oh, really? on an app. Oh, yeah, oh man occasionally i'll put him on it's a great they're so much fun they're a lot of fun that was in 2006 okay 2008 nothing so i did tj's headshots i was work i was living in astoria at the time which is in queens um i was just starting out i wasn't full-time yet i was on the i was on the cusp of going full-time um, in 2008, nothing, nothing had ever really come of that relationship as far as Elvis went. And so I kind of invited myself to take pictures of the morning show or sort of offered. And, and TJ had told Elvis about me. But I, I remember asking TJ, do you think you can ask Elvis if maybe I could come up? Sure. You know, Elvis said it's great. He'd love to meet you. Da, 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 da. So I go up and I do some pictures in the morning show. That's two years later. Okay, that's 2008. It wasn't another two years. It was that Elvis called me personally to ask me to hire me to photograph the morning show. Okay, so the relevance of that is it's four years from the point of entry, 2006 to 2010. And I I really make that uh, known because it was not overnight and a lot of time had passed and and for those who you know who are listening to this who may have made a connection you know it's like a seed and, and some seeds grow more quickly than others this was a seed that was growing and then it turned out to be a tree when i got to it you know so elvis calls me um and i, I you know i mean it was like one of those times where you're just like i just can't believe i got off the phone with elvis Duran. you know it's just like your mind is blown and we you know we did the shoot relatively quickly so I actually called my friend David Bergman who is a, a, a huge wow. concert photographer and travels to Dun Bon Jovi. Now he's out with Luke Combs. I literally asked him if he can come and assist me because I was scared, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, do you think you can come and help me? And he can't, you know, he assisted me. we you know, David's a good friend of mine and David's been a mentor and someone that I've, you know, had the pleasure of knowing for a long time. So I had David come with me. So it's like, when you got a big shoot like that, you know what? If you have someone in your life that you can trust like that, screw it. Call him up. And so we we, you know, he helped me light it and 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 literally was my assistant on that. And so that shoot went so well as it was mentioned to me later that um while I was driving home, I was still living in Long Island. Or actually I'd moved back to Long Island. Elvis call Elvis and his agent, David, who is now a very good friend of mine, a personal friend of mine, called the director of marketing at Z100, a guy named Darren, and said, as it was reported back to me, Darren, you need to meet this guy, Brian Friedman. We just did a shoot with him. We loved him. He's a great guy. You should meet him. The next day, I get a phone call from Darren, who's the director of marketing. Ironically, Darren knows the director of publicity at Caroline's, the guy who introduced me to TJ. That's how small that whole world was. Yeah. And so I have an appointment with Darren right at Z100. The issue was I hadn't shot that much music by then. I had shot some music, but my whole portfolio was pictures of Ray Romano and Brian Regan and Tracy Morgan and all these comedians, people that I had gotten to know and work with. I had some pictures of a band called Soul Live, which is a a jazz group that I just adore. And I had to kind of convince Darren to give me an up because Darren was literally like... You're showing me pictures of Ray Romano, that, that's, that's not, you know, I'll, we do Katy Perry here. So I had to basically say, look, it was one of those times where you really just have to say to a, look a certain person in the eye and say, you know what, I'm asking, give me a shot. Just give me a shot. So what do you want? I'm like, I want to shoot Jingle Ball. He's like, wow. I'm like, Darren, give me a shot. If, if, if you don't like what I do for you, you don't have to call me ever again. And I said, I tell you what, I said, I, here, here's something that I would love to do for you. Let me photograph the process of Jingle Ball. Let me come shoot the build out. Let me do the production. Because those guys are not really concert promoters, but they're putting these shows on. Let me shoot the staff. Let me just memorialize these moments and these concerts. And he literally looked he like he did one of these things you know I know people are just listening and I'm just doing this gesture where you kind of look away and you put your fingers over your mouth because you're really thinking he's like no one's ever at, no one's ever told me that they wanted to do that no one's ever offered or even thought of doing that and he literally hired me on the spot so that was the beginning of it because wow. that was that was in 2010. And iHeartRadio was formally announced in 2011 and basically the staff from Z100, including Darren, what became the staff of iHeartRadio. And that was how I got the iHeartRadio gig, was I literally just slid in at the nick of time. And, you know, I shot the Jingle Ball that, that year and everybody loved what I did. They loved the behind the scenes stuff. They loved my my perspective on it i didn't, again i didn't really do the pit i i roamed around i made it was madison square garden i never shot there before that was a dream come true so i made sure i got i went to the back of the room got my wide shots like i really wanted to capture the essence because they still had pictures coming in from other outlets and getty and things like that and i've always been the guy who fills in the gaps let me fill in the gaps let me get what these guys aren't getting because i know they're going to get shots from whomever that may have Justin Bieber. And I remember the first, the first show was Justin Bieber and Katy Perry, Bruno Mars. He was just starting out. He wasn't a big star. And so I think I, 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 I know that I just proved to them that I had a wider eye on these things and that I was shooting for them, not so much to get these dead-on. I mean, ultimately, I started to get dead-on shots of all the performers, but I really wanted to capture the essence of the event. And so Darren called me and with two months notice, you know, they, they announced in September, you know, they announced in like June or July, probably right around this time in 2011 that they were doing this big concert. And once I saw that lineup, I was like, oh my God, I got to do, I'll do anything to get out there to do it. And Darren called me up and he said, this is what I have in the budget. He said, I'll fly out there. I'll put you up. This is what it is. I was like, I'm there, man. I'm there. And, um, you know, once I saw Gaga was on there, I was like, I'm not missing it. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, I know like, Gaga's your, your Gaga's my dream everything, job. My everything. <laughs> I have a Gaga story too, because it was like, I, 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 I was so, she was the last performer to go on on the second night. And I was so nervous. I'm like, I just remember being so nervous, so nervous to the fact that I was getting to my position this time. I was going to go in the pit. I was getting to my position in the pit and I tripped and I fell <laughs> and my Ooh. camera went slamming down. Now, luckily, oh. these, were the, these were the tanks. I had a D3 oh, as okay. a tank and i just like, I fired off a couple clicks. I made sure everything was working. I just looked up. I was I'm not even a relig- religious guy and I just said, thank God. And then, you know, just went on and I had basically an hour um, shooting Gaga. You know, that was like the moment of my life. That was like, that was like one of the, that was really one of the greatest moments personally or professionally in my whole life is to be that close to Gaga, be one of the only guys there and be able to shoot the whole thing. I'll never forget that. So that's kind of how the iHeart thing really came about. And then, you know, another, another little tip that I can offer, because this is something that I did right away is, um. I made books. I just made little blurb albums. In fact, at the time that I did the Z1, the Jingle Ball, I had an album credit um, with a real album company, and I'm trying to think of, uh, of the album company right now, and it's escaping me at the moment. But I used that album credit, and I made a hard-covered linen, lay-flat, like a wedding album for Darren of pictures. I, you know, I would have paid for it because I had this album credit that I used. But then I did that with the iHeart Festivals and Darren ultimately was like, he's like, these books are unbelievable. They wound up taking them to executive meetings. I got a call from another president, um, Tom Pullman. His assistant called me and literally said to me, the name is Marissa. She said Bri- really, light, really quietly, Brian, yes, um, Jay-Z is in Tom's office right now and he is flipping through your book right now. And like, (laughs) so that was something that I kind of like came up with to do and it was out of pocket for me, but a Blurb album is like a hundred bucks. And they ultimately wound up purchasing like a dozen or two so that they can take them to events and it inspired them to make their own coffee album coffee table album after year three half of which the album are my pictures so it was like very unsuspecting but it was just like again i wanted to make it known to them that i was there for them and that i was their photographer i heart's photographer not necessarily just there to grab great pictures of jay-z or gaga which i which i was but like even my the, the bigger pictures that I've shot for iHeart I'm I'm looking at one of them now is like their their logo is in the shot clear it's like a, it's like a musician so I think I brought I just brought that kind of energy and that focus to those gigs and it carried me very far cuz I still you know they have they've had staff change over and, and things have shifted around where they, they used to fly me. I mean, I've done se- over 70 gigs for them nationally all over the United States, which means getting on a plane basically for every single one of them. That has died down. They started to hire people locally from city to city, which is cool. I totally understand that. But I still shoot for them 10 years later through three or four staff changes. So it's carried me very far. And everything has its own life. And one day they may not call me. It may happen you know it someday it will but but for 10 years i've i've been enjoying that gig and i think that some of those decisions that i made early on to think outside the lines to do the production pictures to then make a book at the end or do something like that i think that that carried me far and it made me stand out to them
0: and ladies and gentlemen that was the perfect podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it. laughs> so I I've, I've got I got some notes here because you are preaching to the to the network king of design. <laughs> I I I'm just sitting there grinning because this is exactly what I try and tell other people. It's like you have to embrace those opportunities. You have to remember that the person who you might be sat next to you at a desk one day could be the CEO of a company that you want to work for another day and you being pissy and going around and and annoying people and being a big I am you alienate people you don't know those opportunities that are going to come and it goes back to the way you behave you took an opportunity you knew how to handle it you were treating the the client with respect uh, or your employer with respect and looking at what else can I do what's my value added what's my USP when they think of who's the guy for the job you're ne- people want to say well if only you were more like Brian or everyone loves Bri- everybody loves Brian yeah <laughs> but it's funny you said Caroline's I've only been to New York twice and I've only ever been to one comedy club and I went to Caroline's because uh, I stayed I stayed in the hotel opposite yeah. just up from Times Square yeah but um so yeah I mean to go from comedy I mean I still think you can you can learn so much like when people ask me about my design career I mean I started off I left school at 16 I was an engineer for 10 years I was uh, a quarry salesman for 10 years I was you know I didn't do graphic design but I learned a lot from those jobs that carried me forward how to deal with people in an office how to deal with sales people how to deal with accounts people and you learn how to Deal with the people within your industry, and it's how you behave yep. that keeps leapfrogging you. And like you say, you know, you came into it quite late. You started at two thousand five, so
1: you were what, in your late twenties. Yeah, yeah, I was in my late twenties. I was, I was on the cusp of turning thirty and on the cusp of leaving that full time job. Um, yeah, you know, my 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 mentor, who unfortunately passed away a long time ago, it was somebody. He was the university photographer at Binghamton, which is where I went in upstate New York. Um, His name is Van. He was an amazing photographer, an amazing guy. He once said to me, you have access, use it. For me, the access was the build out process, was being able to get into an arena and show what it looks like along the way um, and how that might build into developing trust to then be invited to the backstage areas or, or, or things like that. I've been in some very intimate scenarios. Um, but you know, when you have access you, to treat it, you have to treat it so tenderly. I've been good at that. I, I don't think I've ever really screwed that up. Um, cause I've made mistakes along the way. Do not get me wrong. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an, I, I won't say I'm, emo- I'm sensitive. I wouldn't say I'm emotional. I'm sensitive. Um, so certain things might have, you know, turned me off or upset me or this or that. But I, but I, as far as treating the access properly, um, I've done a good job of that, and I think that's why I keep getting those calls to be in these kind of situations with very sensitive topics or scenarios or people. So I think that's where that comes from. It's just just that little mantra of you have access, use it. Um, but then, of course, you got to treat it right, you know.
2: that—that that yeah. comes up one of my favorite parts about this whole thing that I think some people don't understand, and that's trust. Yeah. Because it, when you're carrying a camera around in a place that is a private place, that's backstage, that's a build out, that's around working people, and they trust you to do your job, um, that's an incredibly powerful thing. And yeah. A lot of people don't realize that the you won't see a lot of that stuff posted socially. It doesn't, like, you don't pull out the cell, you know, the, the cell phone and suddenly smartphone, iPhone, you know, and you're not suddenly posting videos, um, you know, of, oh my God, I'm backstage and, you know, so-and-so's dressing room and here's a bit that just doesn't happen. Right. And, um, or it it happens maybe once. Once. That's right. And then it will never, (laughs) ever happen again. That's right. It happened one time. But it all happened one time. Um, yeah. So there's that whole, there is a big building of trust. Um, and that kind of brings me to my other point, because you've now been doing iHeartRadio for, for 10 years. Yeah. So you're not their only photographer or video guy there. Nope. There's obviously a team. So yeah. you guys have to work together, collaborate, and trust each other, and everyone kind of kind of have to build that thing up. So when you're put in a, in a situation... Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, somewhere in the middle, and you start realizing that you're now working with a bunch of other photographers at the, all trying to get the same thing going on. How does that work? How do you collaborate? Because when I found, you know, concert um, photography as a, um, as a business or, you know, as a career, people are kind of a little... Um, backstabby. <laughs> oh
0: know, yeah. There's,
2: there, there's a lot of like, oh, I really want your job, so I'm going to try to do everything I can to get your job. I've actually had people yeah. tell me to my face that they want my job while I've hired them to help me with my job, and that's a very bizarre thing to have to deal with.
1: Yeah. Um, um, well, there's a few things. I have two answers for that. I have, I have an in-the-field answer, and then I have a behind-the-scenes answer. For me, the behind-the-scenes answer was uh, making sure that I was in the was in good graces with ve- vice presidents, presidents, um, taking care of them, making them feel comfortable having me there, and kind of knowing that they would have my back um, because I had theirs, and I was always looking out for their best interests. So I think that. With iHeart, that, that, that has helped me quite a bit because um, I would be in the good graces of the president and even um, the, the CEO of the company. Um, so I think that, that just, you know, and, and not even just to, you know, to, to manipulate the scenario so that that's the, the end result, but to actually really care and to take the time. Like I would send thank you notes to people up the chain at iHeart had nothing to do with hiring me but just like literally writing a note thanks so much for having me making them feel uh partly responsible or just acknowledged that i'm at their party and that they have welcomed me to their party so that that would be the behind the scenes answer the in the field answer um as far as is is that we would it wasn't right in the beginning, and I don't really necessarily take the, I wouldn't say I take the lead as the photographer there, but I try to talk to the other freelancers and say, let's divide and conquer. In other words, like, you should not be shoulder to shoulder with another iHeart freelancer shooting with the same lens pointed at the same performer on stage. So even if it meant I would miss the shot that I want because somebody got there before me then you take, that, you take that for the team. So I always felt like divide and conquer. So I would talk to the other freelancers and just say, look, you know, how, you know because sometimes the iHeartRadio, the, I the festival gigs, there's a, a, a thrust at the end of the stage that has a coin, which is you know, basically just a circular little area of the stage. And so some of the other photographers that I would work with, if somebody was on stage left, I'd be on stage right. If someone was dead center, I would go to stage right or I would take another angle and let them get their shots. You know what I mean? We all would come back with hero moments, you know, because that, you could be waiting in the center the whole time and they never come down and you're screwed. You're shooting, you know, you're, you're shooting blanks the whole time. I've gotten so lucky with that kind of stuff too. So I feel like as long as you have a mutual respect and that the respect is that you're shooting for iHeart Radio, you're not shooting for yourself, you're shooting for iHeart that the divide and conquer sort of strategy, meaning spread out, don't stand shoulder to shoulder with someone else on the on your team, get a different angle and if that, you know, if I had to take the, you know, be the be the bigger guy and not take the the desired position, Honestly, Alan, that's probably why some of the pictures that I would come back would have these different angles because I was sort of like forced out by my my own sort of unwritten rule to not be in that spot. Um, when, when I used to bring a 200 or 400 with me to the to these shows, which is like a joke. People used to look at me like a fool because I'm, I'm literally at a concert with a monopod shooting 200 or 400 from either in the pit or from the aisles. And I would do that because I'm like, all right, I I have more freedom to roam around, but I can get that really nice, beautiful, compressed, sort of shallow depth of field look at a concert shooting with a 400 millimeter lens all the way down. And so I kind of looked at it as an opportunity to get something different and come back with something different. And let me tell you, though some of those pictures became the most successful pictures for me and for iHeart, was just by abiding by my own rule. I mean, okay, those three amazing photographers that, that iHeartRadio hired are in the pit. So I'm gonna come out of the pit and I'm gonna take it as an opportunity to get something that they're not gonna have. And Maybe I come back as a hero and sometimes I didn't sometimes you come back You got duds, but you but at least you know too that those guys have it covered because again You're not shooting for yourself. You're shooting for iHeartRadio So it's kind of like having this bigger Idea of like, okay, I'm a member of a team here. I'm a member of a squad. It's not all about me Um, And and yeah, there's times I've had bad shows. I've had full-on bad shows and maybe oh, yeah. the client doesn't see it that way, but maybe I'm not that psyched about. It. I'm 2013, the third, third iHeart. I, 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 I didn't love what I came back with. They didn't see it as such. I was upset about it, and I, and I, and, I, and I'm still. I'm not still upset about it. But like, you know, it's like, you know, like I, it's there, though. Yeah, like, it's yeah, you're like, ah, oh, damn it, you know. when I'm coming across those pictures. I'm like, it wasn't my best night. It just wasn't my best time but like then you learn how to come back and you learn what not you you, you want to learn what not to do because a lot of times you know these performers are going left and right on the stage and this and that and the other and there's no way of nailing them down that was part of why I, I realized that I didn't want to get locked into the pit because that was too restrictive for me and there are people who want to just stay right in the center And Shoot right from the center the entire time. That's not my jam. That is not my jam I love the symmetrical shot. Don't get me wrong. I do love that I want that every now and then if the stage is high and you have um, Stage monitors there that kills my shot if the stage is high and you're looking up somebody's nose That's not what I'm going for so I then realized, oh, there's a lot more to the space and the environment that I can go and explore with my camera and come back with something that is more appealing to me. And it's probably going to be different than what someone else on my team has. So it's kind of like you, you got to read it and then you develop your own style that way. And for me, the tight shots, uh, I've been ta- it's something that I realized recently because I was forced to really think about how I developed my style. And the tight shots became my thing because, it, because of my relationship with music, the intimacy that I have with music. So if I'm listening to music, it's right here. There's nothing else going on. If I'm at a show, I'm focused right on that artist. There's nothing else going on. So the way that I shoot it a lot of times is not so much wide, but close up because I want to bring not just myself, but my responsibility, which is to bring the viewer in closer than the naked eye could see, which is why that 200 or 400, or I have a 300 that Nikon makes that weighs two pounds that I just love. That's why those shots would stop me in the edit. Like I realized like you stop when you're, when you're editing and you come across and you're, you know, you're flicking, you're flicking, you're flicking, and then you stop on something. <laughs> You got to go with that instinct because that is like if it's okay to love your own work. I mean, you should. You know, a lot of people are taught to be like such a hard ah. You shouldn't love your own work. But if you're looking at your pictures and something stops you, and you're like, oh my god, like, is it sharp? Is it sharp? Like the first thing you do, is it sharp? You know, (laughs) like, should I get it? You know, and then you know, and if it's there, so I always realized that I kept coming back to these tight shots. And, I, and when I was forced to think about it, it was because, well, that's my relationship with music, is intimacy. I don't so much get intimacy from wide shots. I get them from tight shots. So I kind of followed that instinct as I go along, and that's my style. So for me, if it meant shooting further back with a longer lens, and getting that really beautiful angle on them, and they're not distorted because you're not that close to them, That's just how I kind of developed my style. And I think iHeart came to sort of look for that in the edit from me because they would be like, okay, well, we know we're going to get tight shots from Brian. So, you know, someone else is going to be in the pit with a 14 to 24 or twenty-four seventy, and, and then we'll have a nice variety. So maybe that's why I get selected is because they kind of know, oh, we're going to get these off angle shots from Brian who's just waiting there or trying to get this, that, or the other. And then we know that Todd is going to get these shots in the front or, or, or someone else is working there. And, you know, maybe that's the psychology behind, you know, hiring me. But then I just kind of go with what I love. And that would be the tight stuff.
0: I was when you were saying that. Sorry, it just made me think like being part of that team, and then you you are the one who's kind of getting the feel for it more than everyone. I always imagine like that conversation a parent has with a with children, where they go, "Guys, why can't you just be more like Brian?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man! <laughs> but but I think that's it. It's something I've always said in any job that I do. In sort of people, you know, you go through the interview process and i've always said th- the for me the fun thing about doing a good job for whoever i work for is when i leave i want people to say this is how dave used to do uh-huh. it this is how dave approached it i want you to be i want you to do what dave used to uh-huh. do and i think when you do your job right and you and you pull all those pieces together and you consider everything the whole picture uh-huh. that makes you the complete person uh-huh. Yeah, you can deal with the trips. You can deal with the amazing moments where it's just you eye eye to eye with Lady Gaga. It's just you and her in the room with 50,000 other people behind you and not there. But that's where you get to enjoy that because you've earned earned that right to be there, not through force, but just the timing, the everything, all the ingredients come together and make, you know, Brian and Lady Gaga the perfect moment will get the perfect picture. Yeah. Try too hard, you'll muck it up. Try too hard, you'll piss people off. Yeah,
1: up. I think that there's there is a lot of that and 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 you have to hold you like I said th- this is where maybe sometimes I've taken a misstep because you get you can get a little over anxious. You know, you have to you have to almost hold yourself back because you then, you know, with these opportunities you don't want to let someone else sweep in because you weren't present or aggressive enough, you've got to balance that. Um, I think I ran into the right people, okay? Greg at Caroline's is a total sweetheart and one of my best friends. Darren at iHeart, he's no longer there, but Darren got me and understood me and believed in me and even checked me every now and then because we would, not we would, we would jab at, not at all. He was always kind of like he was always looking out for me, too. So I feel like if you meet the right people along the way and they can see who you really are, oh, my God. Like when Darren, when, when Darren called me, it wasn't even when Elvis called me. When Darren called me, that was the phone call that changed my entire life. And I have long said you're, I was lucky that I had it even happen one time because a lot of people may go through their whole career and not have that kind of phone call come in. I'm hoping that it comes in another time. You know, I'm hoping that it happens again. Um, I don't know if it ever will, um, but that one phone call changed my entire life. So, so th- there's a lot of the anxiety, like it's anxiety cause you wanna make, like even with Camila, like I'll be honest with you, like um, they, 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 nip, they, they they bit, they bit. You know, they nibbled and expressed interest. And even in that, I had to remain so patient. And I'm still remaining patient because I I haven't gotten that call, hey, you know, Camila wants you to come out on on tour. And, you know, I mean, I've wanted that call to come in. I've had nibbles on that from them. And my wife has to say, you know, B, you got to let this be, man. You got to just let it you just got to let it be and let the let the universe do its thing. And a lot of times it's very hard. And and I don't blame I don't I don't I don't I don't blame or 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 judge anyone who may mess that up along the way. Because when you get that little nibble, you get that little taste of it, you'll do anything for it cuz it's something that you really really want. I've always I've never gotten the call to go out on tour with someone. I have honestly Wanted that more in my career than probably anything else really and it's I still haven't gotten that call Um, I may never get that call and maybe there's a reason for it. You know, I mean I got married I I live in I I love my home. I don't necessarily want to travel as much anymore Obviously the climate that we're in is one thing but traveling has become less sexy Because like we all agreed (laughs) like I'm in my mid 40s. It's not as sexy as it once was you know what I mean? I like my house. You know, I, I, I want to be home. Maybe that's God's way of saying, you know what, Bri? You say you've wanted this, but maybe it's not the right thing for you. And so I've had to, like, resolve that want in my mind for the last 10 years. And that, again, I may not have that opportunity, be it with Camila or Sean or my God, if Gaga ever called me like that, I would just <laughs> die on the spot. Um, but you know, for those people listening, I think it's worth noting that like, even though I have had, I've been so lucky with iHeart. Um, it, it was different than what I had initially wanted, and I still want that thing. But it, I, it's still that call has not come in for me. Um, and so maybe people listening should should. Look at the bigger picture and maybe if they haven't gotten the call that they want, whether it's concert photography or any form of photography or even if it's a design gig or anything, there there could be a larger – I'm not really a religious guy. I mean these are – I have had to like reach for reasons to resolve the disappointment um, and the anxiety that I have had not having had that call come in. And there, there could be a bigger reason why. So I, I sit here and I resolve that. And then this COVID thing came up and Camila was about to go on tour. And, and I was hoping they would ask me. And in some ways, they flirted very much so with me. And then this COVID thing came up and all that poof just went away. Just like that. Camila was about to go on her tour. I don't know if they were going to take me, but they had it lined up and I cleared my schedule, you know, just in case, poof, went away. So, Would you, yeah. in that situation, because I'm glad you brought that up, because we'll
0: go into that one next, is, are you kind of glad that you don't know, rather than being like, you know, like, oh, oh Brian, we were totally yes. gonna have you, and it didn't happen, it's probably better, and I'm the same as you, I'm not religious, but I just believe in good. the whole good things happen at the right time to good people because you're putting in, you're investing in yourself, you're building it up. And when it's right, it's right. And if you force it, it will go wrong. So as speaking to two working event photographers, yeah. you, mentioned the, you mentioned the C word. Yeah, so but to obviously answer your question, indus- yes, yeah? I
1: am. If you were to ask me what I'd rather know or not know, I would rather not know in this situation yeah. because my heart, because they could even say, you know when we get back on we'll take you but something could disrupt that Th- that something else could come yeah. up who knows who even knows no the gaga could go no, i be- mean <laughs> i'd leave my life for gaga i mean she knows like, everybody knows that um so the answer is yes i'm glad i don't i'm glad you know that was meant to play out that way like we kept yeah. getting closer and closer and i kept hoping and hoping and checking my email and this and that and tagging her and all this stuff and, and and maybe like it, it just goes to what I was just trying to talk about. There was a bigger there something was bigger was going on that I had nothing to do, I had no control over that. None of us have had any control over the coronavirus situation. None of us. And that was something that maybe they were gonna ask me and now they're not going on, on tour and I didn't get asked, and maybe that's to my and that's to my benefit. So it's kind of crazy like that, but to yes to to, to transition you know early mid march um here in Vegas, we had already started to buckle down and sort of self quarantine and, and 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 stop going out and all that stuff and so my wife and I um one morning I woke up it was in the it was late March like the third week of March it was a tuesday morning i'll I'll, I'll never forget this because the only places we had been in the prior week were food shopping, like most of us. We had to get that toilet paper. Got to get that toilet paper. <laughs> and we went hiking on the Saturday before this story. We went hiking and we helped the last person that I literally had physically touched was somebody that was, I was helping them get down a, a, a rock, you know, right here in, in Vegas. That Sunday night, I'll never forget, was when they started to talk about symptoms being no smell and no taste. And I just let it sink in because I was still feeling fine. The next night, my wife made dinner. And it didn't occur to me. And she made she's a really good cook. She made chicken parmesan. I'll never forget it. You don't forget a good chicken parmesan. Um, (laughs) The next morning, I woke up and I said, babe, I'm like. I'm like, I, I'm like, I think I have this thing. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I cannot smell a thing. I cannot smell coffee. I cannot taste a thing. And I'm not coming off of a sinus infection. I'm not sick. None of that. The only time you would ever lose smell or taste is maybe at, during the cycle of a cold or a sinus mm-hmm. infection or a flu or something. And not even at the outset. You would get it in the middle or toward the end. So I knew something was up. I called my doctor. And he literally said, I want you to go get coffee grinds and I want you to literally put it, almost put it up your nose. Take hand sanitizer and literally, I'm like, man, I can't smell anything. He's like, I'm going to tell you right now, you probably have it. And I want you to go get tested. (sighs) So it's like, wow, talk about like your, like the the course of current events and the fact that it happened so early in the, you know, PR cycle of this Mm. was... And we're freaking in the desert. I'm not even in New York anymore. Like we're in the middle of nowhere. That we caught it. My wife got it too. So we went and got tested. They had UNLV here, which is uh, you know U- University of uh, Las Vegas, and we did the nose swab. And uh, Kayla got it done as well. Kay is my wife. And sure enough, that that weekend, the you know the doctor called and said you guys both tested positive for this. And by then we knew. You know, by then I wasn't really, you know, uh, it wasn't shocking. And um, we didn't panic because by then we didn't feel, we didn't have any of the harsh symptoms. And in fact, luckily we never had any of the harsh symptoms. We had the, we were lethargic, we had headaches. My wife had night sweats at one point. Uh, We both lost smell and taste. Luckily we didn't have a fever. We didn't have any breathing issue. We didn't have none of those serious symptoms. Um, it was scary, but wh- about a week in, we knew that we were really going to be okay, and that we were just going to have to ride this thing out, and we so we did. And we, we, you know, by then we by then everybody was home anyway, and you know we weren't going out. I wasn't. I didn't post about it on social media because I, I we had it so mildly that we I didn't want to make a big deal over it. I didn't want the attention. I didn't need the let the attention go to people who were really sick. I didn't want people checking in every day. How are you doing? Then finally, a month later, after the symptoms had really gone, I decided to make a video and post it on Facebook and let everybody know. And people were freaked out because no one at that time, even then, knew of someone that had 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 actually had it because the testing was still so limited. Um, and and people were scared. And to this day, people are still calling me, "How you doing?" This and that. And um, you know, I just took it as an opportunity to slow down. There was nothing I can do work-wise other than, you know, this is when I started to learn the bass. This is why I was like, yeah. I'm gonna give myself permission to do something fun. And I wasn't in the fe- I wasn't feeling creative and learning the bass didn't require me to be creative at the time because I was doing something called Fender Play. Which is awesome, um, and you know, you just online lessons. That's also awesome. online learning. Yeah, and you're just you're just doing the technical stuff. You're learning how to play, how to pluck, how to mute. You know, different you know scenarios and you know all the how to you know fret, and that was such a perfect way for me to t- kill the time because. I'm started to develop chops for myself without me really having to think about it and actually be creative because I wasn't feeling creative and I certainly wasn't feeling creative in photography and I think that was it's really okay like it's really 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 okay yeah. for you to walk away from anything creative and maybe recharge and allow yourself to walk away and and let it go and then come back with a fresh perspective and even the drums now, I've been playing, I have been playing the drums my whole life. I didn't just teach myself the drums like, like you know. I've been playing the drums my whole life. But the drums, I don't really practice. I just play along to music. I'll put on my favorite songs. or I'll, There's some play-along stuff that I play. But even that, I wasn't feeling creative because that really required creativity. I'm not just learning, you know, practicing paradiddles and doing stuff around the kit. I'm actually playing. The, the bass was such a great outlet for me, and, and it's something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to learn the bass and I've never had the time. I've never given myself the time because when you're self-employed, you you don't want to spend you know extra time, you know, dilly-dallying doing something that's for fun. You want me earning money. And I wouldn't I wouldn't give or you spend time with your family or you work out or whatever it is. So this was the time where Caleb was like, "Man, this is like a perfect opportunity for you to do it." and i made it through the fender Play school and now i'm on to another another online learning thing i'm about 50 hours into that i'm just having a fun with it man i'm like totally having a blast making music and i also decided to um go and get the drone faa here you know here in the states you have to get the faa part 107 if you want to fly commercially meaning if somebody wants to hire you and pay you you have to have this thing so that was another thing that I was not—I had no interest in doing it. I didn't have the time. There's no places to fly around Vegas. We're all in a, in controlled airspace here. But then a friend of was like, "Dude, you have the time. Why don't you just do it?" So I got a uh, a a course online, like a like a video course. Yeah. I took three weeks. I studied for two weeks straight. And then I immediately made the exam, which I was also fortunate that at the time, the state had opened up to a point that they were, they were testing centers available. Because even when I posted that I was doing it, my friends from other states were like, dude, you're lucky that you can even go get the test. Right. So I did that in one fell swoop and got that done. In fact, this morning I went out to Red Rocks and flew at six o'clock in the morning because it's so hot here that you have to literally get up at the crack of dawn and go fly because it's too hot. But like, those are just things that I'm like, I'm going to do things now that maybe my creative juices aren't flowing as strong as, as I want them to be, but I'm still going to arm myself or do things and give myself permission to do things that I've wanted to do, even if they're just for fun, even if there's not a monetary value to it, such as the base. There's no, I'm not going to make money doing that. Eventually, I'll, maybe I'll go play in a cover band for 20 bucks a night and beers. Great. <laughs> Great. So, you know, for those listening, it's like, because certainly if you're in the event space, like Alan and I are, you know, this is going to go on for a little while. Like, don't kid oh, yourself. Yeah. This is going to go on. So, you know, if, if you can, if you can better yourself, like for me, the drone thing was sort of counterbalancing the bass. Okay, the base is for fun. The drone is going to be for work. So find ways to better yourself, both in the personal category and in the business category. And give yourself permission to do it because we may never have an opportunity like this. Hopefully, we won't have an opportunity like this again. We're all kind of shuttered. Hopefully, this will not happen again. We don't want this to happen again so my advice to people right now and and i didn't see that coming either i didn't know like oh man we're gonna be locked down i'll have time don't <laughs> worry i'll have time to play the bass you know no, i didn't see any of this coming like any of us you know so i'm trying to make the most of the time some days i'm not up for it some days i just screw around on facebook all day and play with the dog <laughs> and ask caleb there's and it I happens so
0: that's the thing it happens so quickly as well but that you have to kind of, you know, like your industry shut down. Yeah. And I was going to ask, do you not that you feel, not that anyone wishes they had it, but do you feel kind of relieved that you that you did contract it early on I've, and kind of got it out the way? I
1: mean, there, obviously we all know there's no guarantee. The thing that's comforting is that I beat it. The thing that's comforting that I, is that my body beat it. And... Um, I don't know if I won't. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I, nobody know. We don't know enough about it. Um, I'm happy that my body beat it, and that and that Kayla's body beat it, and that I'm also happy that um, it became known that I can go and donate plasma, which um, I've done, and so has my wife, and we're going to do it for a second time. You go to a blood bank here, and they hook you up to a machine. It's it's not fun but it's a small sacrifice that you can make. And all the nurses and the doctors in my life literally were like blown away and told me that I'm, I'm a lifesaver, I'm a hero, this, that, and the other. It was an opportunity for me to help people that I will never meet in my life. You know what I mean? It was an opportunity for me to do good and to take the scenario and to make it into something better for someone who's not having as easy of a time beating it. So I looked at it like that. And I still look at it like that. We're going back in two weeks. In fact, Kayla and I made an appointment to go together. So that we can just go and kind of do it together. And you sit there for an hour. They hook you up to a really big, scary, churning machine that you don't want to look at. <laughs> and you, they, they suck the blood out of you and then put it back into you. Because they literally like separate your your blood Right. They separate the plasma and they return the rest to you. It's, it's not fun, but like, it's a very small sacrifice, I think, because you get up and you go home and that's it. You don't exercise for that day and you're back to normal the next day. What I did, a lot of people want to know what I did. So that, this is another thing that I, I like offering because these are just remedies that are available, available to people. Um, we did a lot of vitamin C. I took, you know, we did an emergency here in the States. We have the little packets called emergency, you know, it's like any, you know, it's like a powder and you put it in the drink, it's a thousand milligrams. But I think the big thing that, that I had been hipped to doing prior to all this, because I had been prone to sinus infections out of the blue and especially here in Nevada, it is so dry. I know a lot of that would come from flying because I was flying every single month And I think that flying and the dryness, I would come home and I've had sinus infections. So my doctor was like, let me check your vitamin D level. I'm like, okay, vitamin, okay. I'm like, I live in Vegas. He's like, let me tell you, most people are, are D deficient. And so on a routine blood exam, we did the D test and he said, as I predicted, you're vitamin D deficient. He's like, I actually think that that will help you with your sinuses and you're D deficient anyway. So he prescribed a D pill. You, you don't have to even get a prescription. You can get it at a vitamin shop. He prescribed one that I take once a week. Um, it's like a super pill. I had been taking this pill since December and I had already seen results by way of no sinus infections since December. I haven't had a sinus infection. I went from having a sinus infection once a month I haven't had a sinus infection in eight, in eight months at this point in time. Oh, wow. I really genuinely think, and there are more studies about this now, I really do think that the vitamin D is, is, is very, very helpful for the COVID too. I'm not a doctor, but I'm just telling people that I think that it worked for me and there's no harm in taking it. And most people around the world are D deficient. So you can benefit from it anyway. So I just tell my friends that because it's something you do right now to to it you may still i still got it but i think my body was was able to fend it off it might be partly due to the vitamin d and you guys in the uk have no vitamin d in you okay none if you live in scotland (laughs) man forget (laughs) it there's no d
0: my first meeting with alan in an elevator that we've spoken about before was uh he he knew i was english just purely because my skin
2: was translucent i can see it right now (laughs) so you don't have
1: any d you got to go get some d man go get some d yeah (laughs) the crazy part about
2: that whole thing though is that um you weren't in giant crowds right before you got it you you ran into like one person and and happened to get it yeah my lead-up's that exact same period of time because i remember when they shut everything down i remember the wednesday where everything was like
1: okay we're That's shutting it. down California. Yeah. yeah.
2: The the weekend before that, I shot Blake Shelton on Friday night and Tame Paula yeah. on Monday night with sold out yeah. shows. And yeah. the week before that, I flew from California to um, North Carolina and back through Dallas and Houston. We on four pack flights. My wife and I, and she was on the plane and I'll never forget this. My my we're sitting on the plane and i I I go to grab something and she's like, No, and she pulls out a little anti- A little spray bottle, and she's wiping everything down around me, and I'm like, "Okay, I know it's on the news, but it's not that bad." Yeah. And then we get we get back, and like a week and a half later, like, you know, I I went from, "Oh man, I got shows lined up," to, "I'm not leaving the house." Yeah. And you know, I'm, so you I'm diabetic, spared. so I really try to, to avoid, you know, uh, yeah. I spent a week in the hospital last year, as people know, just you know, from an infection, I do not ever yeah. want to go back to a hospital again, because, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm living a very paranoid lifestyle, I, I spend a lot of time sitting outside in the sun, um, in my backyard, yeah. I love my backyard, and we go grocery shopping once a week with a mask on, and That's it. avoid people like the plague. Yeah. Um, which they have the plague, so I'm <laughs> yeah. Now
1: it's coming back. The so how, plague's yeah. coming back.
0: how do you both? How do you both see? Obviously, it's affected you massively from a work point. Yeah. How do you both see this this industry recovering? What do you think will happen? Alan, want to go first?
2: What, oh, my, yeah, mine's, mine's just kind of short and sweet. I think they need two things before we ever have big scale concerts again, and the first one is there has to be an. A, a, Absolute widespread accurate testing that is like my blood pricks for my diabetes i it's three seconds later i get a number they need to have they need to yeah. have some kind of testing on the spot testing on the spot testing accurate on the spot testing and we need to have some kind of uh vaccine ish help i mean even if it's not a full vaccine if there's some like take these supplements and they will help i think those two things are going to bring back larger um type events, um, I think those two things are going to bring back larger type events and allow people to congregate again. I don't think that's going to happen in the year 2020.
1: It's I definitely not s- going to happen. No, I, not in 2020. I, mean, I, I know people no. are,
2: are like really excited. Oh, you know, we'll have drive-in concerts or, you know, some dude threw a concert in Nashville, Ever was. I don't want to get into who it was, but I'm like, yeah. you got to be out of your mind. I mean, yeah. it's just, I, I'm not comf- I wouldn't be comfortable going into an event like that i mean you know maybe if it was outdoors and i could shoot from you know the upper rafters and the fresh air and everyone else could stay down below then maybe but um yeah it's the whole world has changed and we have a new reality to deal with um yeah and uh
1: yeah it's kind of sucks i mean there's what about you brian i I,
0: I mean obviously from you and from my heart's point of view as well. oh man i
1: mean you know we were i don't know this officially so i can't speak to it, but I can only um, presume that there won't be a, an iHeart Festival this year, which is due to take place in two months, so I'm presuming that it's not going to happen, which for me is probably one of the bigger professional bummers, because that would be ten, year 10, and I had nice. prayed to the God that I would be able to do 10, and not that they like, had even hired me, but I would have hoped to have been hired for that if they had it. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with Alan on this. I, I'm, I don't, I'm just going to give it to you straight. I don't see, I don't see it coming back for a while. I, I I don't see it coming back until late 2021. I, I I just, just for, just for the sheer size of the gatherings, um, I just don't see it happening. I, I think that the gathering, you know, concerts are, you know, your four and five digits, you know thousands and tens of thousands of people um i i'm not sure i would even having had it even wearing a mask even with i'm not sure i would feel comfortable going into a space like that for at least a year um i i don't know man i think i think unfortunately we're going to get hurt bad and i already know down the line and i'm sure alan would know this too that These poor production companies and the set design and the lighting companies and all these huge suppliers that supply these concerts, huge companies are really not in good shape and will not come back in their original form. They're going to have to sort of, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's going to be... It's, it's upsetting and it's almost too depressing to think about, because I, I do see that where we are right now and listening to the news now and we're going to reshut down, probably. I'm assuming Vegas will reshut down, Florida's reshutting down. We, we do not have a grip on this thing. So I think unfortunately, these large-scale gatherings are not going to come back for, for a while. Um, one thing I would love to see, just from a music fan perspective, and that I'm hoping to see more of and what I what I think bands should be doing more of. You know, you've seen a lot of unbelievable free concerts being streamed. But these bands, man, get together in a garage or a studio and mix the sound and sell a pass to a couple of shows. And I'll sit here with my high fidelity here headphones. I'll pay $100 for two shows or $100 for three shows or whatever. It's an opportunity for bands to still make money, and yeah, okay, you're not there. I def- it's going to suck not being there. But the, live, the, the experience of seeing someone make music live, I don't think is entirely lost if you're watching it on a screen and you know that they're playing this music at the same time. And they're saying, hey, everybody out on the interwebs, you know, we're so sorry. <laughs> we, you know, like, it's like, you know, you're kind of going to go with it. But like I know when I watch streamed shows... You know, like, recently, I don't remember even who did it, but they had Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds did something. Uh, They streamed it on MSG or the Capitol Theater or Relics Magazine. Streamed Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds at Radio City Music Hall, and it was freaking fantastic. Because I put my headphones in, and I watched it, and I did feel like I was right there, because it was still that auditorially in your the sound was so good that i think do that you know i won't be able to shoot it but i i miss my bands you know
0: but but you might be able to shoot this is the thing so what's happened over here is we've restarted top level sport so so our premier league and the league below it the the bottom two leagues they all cancelled the season and did it like an average thing but the premier league and the second league down what they've done is they've decided that they all the players got tested there are restric- restrictions in the ground yeah. so what they did was they allowed uh, a very small amount of photographers from the major press okay. to be able to cover the matches okay. and they have to sit in specific places so many feet away from another one they have like Temperature tests when they go in. There's all hand sanitizer. They're not allowed to touch any other equipment. They all have different entrants and exits, exits and everything. Um, so they're able to shoot the matches. And also, what they're doing at the matches, because these like big Premier League players are like you can imagine NFL yeah. playing the Super Bowl in an empty stadium. Yeah. Like you lose that atmosphere. So what they're actually doing is they're piping.
1: <laughs> I heard that
0: crowds back through Amazing. the tannoy to give the players. Yeah. So they could do that with a concert. You could take, you know, stick the Rolling Stones on stage, pipe the audience screaming after everything. I mean, what's funny in the football is when a player takes a shot, there's someone who's got a job, it is, to press like, ooh, or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and They've always got to play a keyboard of, of audience to it. Amazing. And you could do yeah. that at a concert. You could bring it, like you say, pay $50 online to watch The Stones or Lady Gaga or someone. They'll put on a gig, the the crew are getting paid because they're building the stage and doing the stuff so it helps that industry they can make the money through selling tickets online it gives people the chance to see the bands and it keeps everyone fresh and you might be able to get to shoot that that's true because they'll which would be better for you because there's no yeah i
1: know you get total freedom of moving around yeah (laughs) well i think i think there's an i think that there's an opportunity that bands have now given the technology um to do something like that i would be willing you know i i anytime i go and i do you know i'm a big jazz lover that's actually really my music more than any other music except lady gaga um (laughs) and they do these shows where you donate smile when he says gaga (laughs) you smile just like (laughs) um i donate i just donate you know ten dollars fifteen dollars whatever it is whatever you know because i've I'm trying to donate as much as I can, but I'm out of work too. So like, I don't have, I I can't be throwing around, you know, money, but um, I try to donate and try to help out and support them. But, but if, if somebody were to put out like, and these are iPhone concerts, these aren't like real shows, but like if, if you're Mm. getting a a really nice mix and there's a production value to it, I will definitely pay money for that. No doubt. I think it'd be amazing. So hopefully we'll see that. But I, but just going back to the live situation Um, I don't necessarily – I don't see it coming back anytime soon, unfortunately, as much as that pains me.
0: Yeah, I think the event space as a whole, they've – in Britain just uh, this week, the government have announced because the theatres had to close down – um, a lot of the music venues the the government have just pumped almost two billion pounds that. back into the industry yep. to help them recover because they want them to open yeah. because like everything if you're paying for stuff you're paying tax yeah. if you pay yeah you're paying vat you're buying cigarettes and alcohol and pu- buying fuel and traveling true. so there's a bigger picture yeah we're all going to pay for it in the end i mean our taxes are going to go through the yeah. roof when this is it's over so true. but it's the way everyone behaves to, to help maintain like the music industry or the sports industry that there are so many people like you said involved in in the industry that are unsung heroes yeah and, every, and everyone's it, being hurt by it. Wait, we don't even make,
2: we don't even make it on the list of of people who are necessary for a show as <laughs> yeah, photographers and videographers we don't even make it on that list there's about a 100 people ahead of us from ushers to ticket takers to set designers to the people who clean up after the show is over. I mean, yep. it, it's an amazing amount of people who work with these things. People don't yep. realize it. I mean, yep. I I work as a venue photographer, so my act- outlook is a little different, but we had Cher a couple of years ago, and I asked and got permission to do a time lapse of them breaking down the stage after sure. the show is over. So yep. I went back in, I shot the first three, but I went back in on the encore, and I waited until she was off the stage and backs, and the lighthouse lights are up, and I started yep. recording. And yep. the sheer amount of people who came into the venue after the show was over to deal with all that stuff and pack it up—I was there from eleven thirty till four in the morning.
1: I believe it. Oh yeah.
2: And and like watching them finally bring out the floor cleaner to—I mean—and people are like. Holy crap. Like, yeah, there's yeah. people who show up to work at 11 p.m. and don't get out at little 4 o'clock in the morning, and they do that four or five times a week. That's right. The, you, the, it's, it's unbelievable what this has done to the gig economy and to all those people who don't have full-time jobs because a lot of people are just part of a crew. And yeah. there's no tour. There's no crew. There's no venue. There's no crew. We, we are all just going to sit and wait now. And, and I'm... Honestly, I'd much rather wait than open up too early. I think we opened up a little too early and now we're seeing these giant spikes in California, Nevada, Florida, Texas, all these places that kind of said, Oh no, we're good and then now we're not so good.
1: But And I and I and Alan, I do under you know, listen, I understand it too, because we can't I see both sides of it. Like I think we all do. You know, you can't let society collapse, basically. Yeah. But you know, mm. so I understand it. I I definitely do. We're we're really in a we're really in an unprecedented situation right now. But you're right. Like you can't. You know, here in America, we're not doing so hot right now. We're really really not. And I, I think you know, unfortunately, we, we have very um, fragmented. Our our the leadership here is fragmented. That's all that I'll say. It's yeah. you know I don't I'm not sure if it's like that overseas in Britain. But at least the way that that are, you know, not getting anything political, but it's not there's not like a very, very concerted effort to all be doing the same thing at the same time. And I think that is a big problem for us, regardless of who's in power. I think that's a big problem.
0: Yeah, definitely. Over here. I mean, we we're we're smaller. So we've got the guy that just became prime minister was going Oh Boris, welcome to the job. By the <laughs> way, we've got a pandemic yeah. <laughs> so if you could just deal with yeah. that. Um so but we're everyone singing from the same hymn sheet here. We are, you know, from from England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. We are all singing from the same hymn sheet. Um everywhere's got its idiots, you know, from power downwards to you know to people. Um people just don't get it it's, it's an education thing yep but yeah i mean from here watching watching you guys over there and seeing you know places like texas getting absolutely battered i mean i've never seen so many people on facebook saying my auntie's got it my uncle's got it my it's like how did they get it i i want them to say my uncle and auntie have got it because, not that right. we want to go down a whole conversation right, right, right. about COVID, but like, where have they been and what did they do to get it? Let that be the lesson. Not just that they've got it. What's been their behavior in the past week? Because like you said, you've
1: helped a climber. Yeah. And Alan stood in a concert with thousands of people. You are the one who got Unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. <laughs> and we're literally in the... De- I'm literally in the middle of the desert. We have... Uh, our density population... Our, our, our Yeah, the density population is so low here... That, you know, where Alan lives or my friends in New York, you know, you would yeah. think their, their chances are so, so, so much higher. It, it, it really shocked us, especially again, like it, it, it was amazing. The, the most amazing part of it was just like, as soon as this happened in March, we got it like immediately. It was just like, so, you know, I, I hope yeah right I, yeah. yeah yeah right i'm so I'm trying to get out in front of it yeah yeah i'm trying to get out in front of it like i said <laughs> I'll maybe i'll make a book um no i mean i think i hope that people uh i hope that people take it seriously and i think we're we're in i think we're in for a long for a long haul with this unfortunately you know and i'm not an expert in it but it should be taken seriously um yeah yeah well brian i want to thank you
0: so much for your time tonight i've just sat here with the biggest grin on my face because like everything you've said you've you kind of i don't even have to ask you a question (laughs) you've just perfectly perfectly gone through my checklist of things you wanted to do and it's been so enjoyable and also the the, so many things you've said it's one of the things i like about doing the podcast is sharing that experience in the hope you'll help others and like every single time you said something i'm just sitting here grinning wider and wider because it's Yes, that this is just. It doesn't matter what industry you're yeah. in. It's about being a good person yeah. and being as. This, this is the first time I've met you and the first time we've spoken. I really hope I get to meet oh, you. Oh man, for sure. You are a, a, such a such a nice guy. Hardworking. You've done everything right, and I'm so glad you've had the success that you've had you had and continue to do Thank so. You, because Alan was right.
1: You're a, you've been a great <laughs> Thanks, guest, man. I hope you guys <laughs> have me back on at some point. We'll revisit it. You know.
0: Oh. We, all, we have a rule that second interview is in person. Okay. So it's a good good enough excuse to sit down with you and, and do it. But you will definitely be back on
1: because there's still lots to yeah, talk we, about. Yeah, I and, feel like we uh, hardly even got into it, man. No, you know? no. This is part, part, one. Right, Brian part Friedman, one. part I, one. I, I could live
0: with that. Of a, of a trilogy. We'll we're we're make it a like trilogy. That. You could be my first Star I Wars. I like it. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. No, th- I it. Pre- thank I really you very really much. I'll put it. the links up for... For your website and a couple of interviews that you've done and everything so yeah thank you stay safe thanks, continue to stay safe yeah. now and uh and we'll chat again All right, soon man. thank you so All much right. for having me guys. And thank you and thanks awesome. alan cheers thanks,